You're listening to the GKM Church Sermon Podcast. And so before we get into the study, I just want to show you a few pictures. Do you know what this picture is a picture of? Not that yellow thing. Oh, that's the names. There we go. What's that? What is it? Come on. It's an iceberg. It's an iceberg. So some of you can tell that that's an iceberg. If you zoom out, it, it looks like a big iceberg there. But if you zoom out, you get to see the, how huge this iceberg is. It's actually massive. But if you look just beneath the surface and you, you go a little bit deeper, you see that the top of the iceberg is not all that there is. That it is actually massive. That the majority of the mass of the iceberg is underneath the water. If you could show that image. See, two-thirds of the iceberg is actually under the water. But you can't see it. There's more than what meets the eye. Or if you look at a tree, for example, you look at the beautiful trees that we have around us, or you're driving and you see a tree. You know that that tree is beautiful, but you know beyond the surface, underneath the surface, there is actually more going on. There's an intricate root system that goes deep down into the ground that anchors that tree, that actually brings life and substance to that tree. There's more than what meets the eye. This is often true in many areas of our lives. I don't know, sometimes you may be interacting with someone and then they just blow up at you. They start, you know, picking something that you've said, something so small, and they make it a huge argument. You're like, where is this coming from? Oftentimes, those feelings are being projected from another situation. There's more to those feelings than that situation. There's more than what meets the eye. Or even in entertainment, you think of entertainment Uh, what goes into making a movie or a show. Uh, There's green screens, there's cuts, there's edits, there's take after take, there's illusions until they get what they want to project as reality on the screen. But there's more that goes on than what meets the eye, than that final product that we see. There's more than what meets the eye. And it is easy for us, and many do, just go through life just accepting what is on the surface. We go through life accepting what is being presented to us, what media, what entertainment is presenting. We accept that as reality. Those feelings in that argument, we accept those feelings are towards us. We just accept. We don't go any deeper. We don't look beneath the surface. We don't look beneath what is happening in front of us. But there's a principle this morning that we must learn and we must embrace that there is more than what meets the eye. There is more than we see in the physical realm. There is a whole other world. There is a spiritual world that is just as real. In fact, there is a spiritual world that is more powerful than what we see right here in front of us. What you see right here, right now, right now, you see a stage, you see instruments, you see a man, you see a Bible, you see people around you. But I guarantee, if you look into the spiritual realm, you'll see that there's forces of darkness, and there's forces of light, and they're engaging in battle, and they're engaging in war. There is a war going on in the spirit realm. And we must be aware, we must be aware that there's more than what meets the eye. You ready? Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So if you're in a battle, you must know you're not battling people. Your battle is not against your spouse. Your battle is not against your colleague. 
Your battle is not against your boss. Your battle is not against media. Your battle isn't against government. Your battle is against the powers and the principalities of this dark world. There is more going on than what we can see. There's a spiritual world that's just as real that is influencing our physical world. In fact, if you're going through a battle right now, if you're struggling right now, if you're battling something, battling disease, battling sickness, fighting for your marriage, you're going through a difficult time, I want to let you know that you're not alone. You're not alone in the battle. You are never alone in your battles. And in 2 Kings 6, we come across a story where Israel is at war. And there's a servant there and he goes and he's talking to Elisha, who is a a man of God. And he wakes up early in the morning, this servant, and he goes out and he sees a mass army with chariots and weapons. And he gets scared. He doesn't know what to do. He's frightened. He goes back to Elisha and he's like, what are we going to do? They're surrounding us. They're surrounding, there's more of them than there are of us. What are we going to do, Elisha? And he was scared. We're outnumbered. What's going to happen to us? And this is what Elisha says to him. Do not fear, for those who are with us are far more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That's my prayer for you this morning, that your spiritual eyes would be opened to what the Lord is doing around us. God gave him a glimpse into the spiritual realm and he realized that there were gods, angels, and warriors everywhere around him. He was not in that battle alone because there is another world, a spiritual world, and we have to remember there's more than what meets the eye. There's more than what meets the eye. And sometimes, you know, when we pray, and we pray and we pray and you feel like nothing's happening, you gotta recognize that your prayers are more powerful than you know. There's things going on behind the scenes that you can't see with your physical eye. Remember we studied the book of Daniel a few months ago and Daniel, one time in Daniel 10, he fasted and he prayed for 21 days. He was seeking the Lord. He wanted to know from the Lord the future of Israel. And in Daniel 10, 12, it says, Then he said, Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your request was, has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. From the very first day, The very first prayer, at the beginning of the fast, when Daniel started to pray, the Lord heard his prayer. But nothing happened. He didn't see anything happen for 21 days. And for those of you who may be discouraged, maybe you've been praying for a loved one or you've been praying for a miracle for so many times and you're like, what's the point? It just seems like I'm wasting my breath. I I don't know. It doesn't seem like God's gonna answer me or God's gonna do anything. Can I tell you, every prayer matters to God. From the very first time you prayed, the very first time you cried out for your son or daughter, the very first time you prayed for healing, God heard your prayer. Very first time. It's not that God doesn't care or that God doesn't want to answer you. The angel actually tells Daniel twice in in this interaction, he says, you are precious to God. You are precious. Uh, God didn't answer you for 21 days, but you are precious to God. God cares about you. You matter to God, but there's some things going on in the spirit realm 
that you don't understand. So he had to explain it to him in, in verse 13 and 14. He says, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, calling the big boys in, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. So Daniel prayed. And at that first prayer, as soon as he prayed, God heard his prayer and God released Gabriel to go. But then the spirit of the prince of Persia blocked him, stopped him, was in battle against him. And then Michael had to come in, the the archangel, to begin to battle with the prince spirit of Persia to release Gabriel, because Gabriel needed to go finish his assignment that God gave him to go talk to Daniel. See, there was a lot going on in the heavenlies. There's a lot going on in the, the spirit realm. And we need to understand what you see in the physical world is not all there is. There is a spiritual realm that is influencing the physical realm. There are principalities and powers of darkness at work in the unseen realm. Gabriel was stopped by who? The spirit of the prince of Persia. This was not a normal demon. It was a a prince of Persia. Just like there's a hierarchy in the kingdom of God, there's archangels and there's angels, there's a hierarchy in the kingdom of darkness as well. And there are principalities on assignment to influence leaders, and there's principalities on assignment to influence territories. There's territorial spirits. Remember when Jesus was casting out the the demons, the legion of demons and the man by the tombs? They begged him, that legion of demons begged him, Jesus, don't send us away from this territory. Why? Because that was where they were assigned to. They would rather go into a herd of pigs than leave their territory they were assigned to. And so Jesus sent them into the herd of pigs. Church, there is a real battle going on. Do you believe that? There is a real battle going on. We have a real enemy, and his name is Satan. And Satan had an origin story. Satan is not like God. He didn't always exist. He had a beginning. And he was actually an angel as well. One of God's most beautiful angels, known as Lucifer or also referred to as the morning star. And what happened to Lucifer, the morning star, this beautiful angel? He got jealous of God, and he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be God. Lucifer, this morning star, he said, I will, I will, I will, five times. And we see it in Isaiah 14, verses 12. He says, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star. Son of the dawn, you have been cast down to earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mountain of assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. He wanted to be higher than God. He wanted to control God. He wanted all the glory for himself. And God said, no, you don't. No, you won't. You're not gonna try to elevate yourself higher than me. You can't elevate yourself higher than me. I am the God most high almighty. And it says that Lucifer, Satan, fell like lightning to earth. And the Bible tells us a third of the angels followed him. And so now Satan has organized these fallen angels into an army of evil spirits that obey his every command. So there's a very real battle going on right now. And our our battle is not against flesh or blood. 
but against the powers and the principalities of darkness. We have a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan, the devil, the evil one. And so I want to give you five specific ways from Scripture your enemy, the devil, wages war on you. Okay, we need to know and understand the strategies of the enemy. Number one, Satan blinds the minds of the unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God, that's a little g, that's Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. He tries to blind your minds so you do not hear the truth. And he does this in a bunch of various ways. He'll, he'll try to make you so prideful. He'll, he'll make you feel like you're the smartest guy in the room, so you know what's best, and you don't have to listen to others, and now you're sitting here, and maybe a, a friend or a family member dragged you here, and you don't want to be here, and, and you don't believe in God, but you're sitting here, and you're super critical of what I'm saying, and you're just questioning everything, questioning everything that's happened, questioning the prayer, the singing, the emotion, the feelings. You're questioning everything, and you're super critical. Can I warn you, friend, that that may be a spirit of pride that is blinding you from the gospel message? Or maybe you're here, and you're like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe God is real. I'm not quite sure, but then you get distracted, you flip from your notes and you're already on social media scrolling. Or you're thinking, and you, you just, your mind begins to wander, oh, I gotta take out the trash, or I, I didn't do groceries this weekend, Monday's coming up, we need to do groceries, or what do we need? Oh, we, oh bacon, we need bacon, mmm, bacon. And you're not even here, present right now. Your mind's wandering and wandering and wandering. Can I warn you, friend, that might be Satan trying to blind you from hearing the gospel message, because he knows if you hear the truth, the truth will set you free. So we gotta be aware that the, the enemy, Satan, he wants to blind the unbelievers from, from seeing the light, from hearing the gospel. And as believers, for us, we need to know this, because when we pray for our unsaved loved ones, yes, we, we, we pray for salvation, we pray that they would know Jesus. But we have to understand there's principalities and powers of darkness. There's spirits that are operation and at work. There are spirits of pride. There's spirits of busyness. There's spirits of distraction. And believers, we gotta go a little deeper than just save my fr friend. We need to fast and pray for our friends and our family members, and we need to ask the Lord, what is blinding them? And we need to take our authority in the name of Jesus, and we need to cast off that spirit of pride right now. Cast off that spirit of busyness. Cast off that spirit of distraction. We need to know what is in operation in the spirit realm so we can take our authority in the name of Jesus. So that at first... Satan wants to blind the unbeliever. Secondly, Satan steals God's word from you. Matthew 13, 19 says, when anyone hears the messages about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, watch who shows up. The evil one comes, and what does he do? He snatches away what was sown in this person's heart. He tries to rob God's word from you. And there may be different times in your lives where, you know, maybe you're an unbeliever and you, you become spiritual curious and, and, and you hear a friend tell you about Jesus or you, you, you read a scripture and, and you want to dive in a little bit deeper and you're meditating on it and you're thinking about it. And then you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and that desire is gone. Where did it go? Jesus teaches us. Satan robs it from us. He robs the word of God. Or uh, th this is for someone, God has spoken a word over your life, a prophetic word. 
maybe over this season for your life. He has given you direction on where he wants you to go. And what will the enemy come and do? He'll come and discourage you. He'll come and, and say, that wasn't for you. You can't do that. He wants to snatch up that word that, has been over, that God has spoken over you. Do not let the enemy snatch up the word God has spoken over you. Hold tight to that word. Meditate on that word. Ponder about that word. Hold that word in your heart and step out in faith in that word because the enemy wants to paralyze you and stop you from stepping out in the word of God. So whoever that's for, you can still step out on that word. Step out. Don't allow the enemy to take it from you. Number three, Satan sets traps to take you captive. 2 Timothy 2, 26. And one day they will come to their senses and they'll escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive. See, he wants to trap you in a lifestyle of sin. He wants to trap you and take you captive so you don't reach your fullest potential in Jesus Christ. This is an enemy who's setting traps and you're the one that he is trying to trap. You have to understand this. You have to notice this. There's some areas of weakness. Maybe there's an area of weakness and you resolve in your heart. I don't know, maybe... Maybe it's a, a party lifestyle. Maybe you're, you're young and you've been partying and you said, you know what, God, I'm not gonna do that anymore. You know, it's every time you resolve in your heart not to do something for God, the very next day something happens. Maybe, you, you, I'm not gonna party. Next day, your friends walk in with a keg. Let's go! Time to party. You're like, wow, God, how, how? It's a trap. Or you're in debt and you, you, you say, okay, we need, we need to work at this. And you call a family meeting with your spouse and you sit down and you make a budget. You get serious. Okay, this is what we're gonna you know, put towards our debt. We're gonna go heavy on saving and not eating out as much, not spending as much. We've gotta pay this off. And, and you get on the same page with your spouse and then the very next day you're, you're going to work and someone rear-ends you. You need to go get a rental. It's a trap, it's a trap. Or you decide, you know what, I want to purify my mind. I, deleting all those websites, I've got to purify my, my mind. And then next thing you know, you open your eyes, bus goes by with a big billboard of a picture that causes you to lust. It's a trap. Or you, you decide, okay, I can't talk about people anymore. I can't, I can't gossip. Uh, I notice I'm, I'm starting to talk a little bit too much about people. I, Lord, help me with this. And I'm not going to do this. Next thing you know, your phone rings with sister so-and-so. Oh, I know she has the latest news. She was at that meeting. She's going to give me the juicy stuff. It's a trap. The enemy wants to trap you. <laughs> and, and, and don't flirt with darkness. Don't be dumb. No, seriously, don't be dumb. Don't flirt with darkness. It's a trap. The, the scripture teaches us that we should never have anything to do with the forces of darkness. Deuteronomy 18 says, let no one be found among you who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is, listen, detestable to the Lord. Don't be dumb. Don't flirt with darkness. We don't mess around with science or what are they called? Seances, thank you. Or we don't consult mediums. We don't go to psychics. We don't look at tarot cards. I mean, I was walking by the X and they had a big psychic booth and card reading, and there was a line up there at the X. I was like, what's going on? We need to get a Jesus booth here. People wanting to know and flirting with darkness. Listen, if you had. 
If you come from Hinduism or uh, another religion, get the idols out of your house. Don't flirt with darkness. It opens up doors of the demonic realm in your life. And the, it's a trap. And what does it want? It wants to keep you captive. And it wants to control you. Fourth, Satan fights to stop the work of God in your life. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Paul said, For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan, he stopped us. He tried to block the work of God. So if you get a, a, a vision from God to do something, watch how Satan will try to block you. And you may hear a good teaching and say, okay, I need to change now. I need to change. Watch how Satan will try to block you. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I want to have a great marriage. And you, you, you're thinking on your own and putting together this plan. I need to be a, a better spouse. And, and then you go and to your spouse and you say, we need to have a, a great marriage. I want to work at having a great marriage. Let's start doing these things. And the next thing you know, it goes on and becomes this huge argument. Well, what's that? That's, that's Satan. There's a spiritual war going on. Your intention was to go into the conversation to have a great marriage, but then something happens, something turns. Or maybe you, you build up enough courage and he's like, I gotta start sharing my faith. This person, I've been in relationship with them long enough. It's, it's time for me to tell them about Jesus. And so you, you go out for lunch with them. You're having conversation. They even start asking you about your faith. And the opportunity is ripe. And you're about to share Jesus and their phone rings. And you sit back. What is that? That's Satan blocking the work of God. Trying to block the work of God in your life. I remember... Um, Early on in ministry, when I was a youth pastor, uh, we did all kinds of youth retreats and youth camps. And, and I remember um, the first two or three times I was planning a retreat and to go away uh, with the kids. The week before, Diane and I got into this huge argument over nothing, over simple things. I said, what, what's this about? And then, and, you know, you go to the retreat, you push through, you know, you're distracted by that argument because that's what the enemy wants to do, distract you. And then it happened again and again. And then we sat down, we said, how come every time there's a major event that we're working towards together and we're ministering together, something happens? It's a spiritual attack. It's the enemy who is real, it is Satan, who is warring against our marriage, who is warring against this youth group. And so, see, we need to identify the strategies and understand the attacks of the enemy so we can counter those attacks, so that we can be prepared, so that we can be armed. Because we're to be on the offense, not the defense. And one of the biggest things that Satan will do to stop you from the work of God is he'll paralyze you with fear. He'll paralyze you with fear. He wants you to go through life worried and anxious Always concerned about something. How am I going to make my finances work? Is my marriage going to make it? Am I going to have a job at the end of this year? He wants to paralyze you in fear and constantly worrying. And, and so you don't move ahead. Oh, I better hold on to what I have. I better hoard my money now. I can't be generous. Oh, I, I better stay home and, and just do nothing. Because I don't know what's going to happen next year. He'll paralyze us with fear. But Timothy, in Timothy it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. See, I want to point out there that fear, it is a spirit. There is a spirit of fear. And I believe in this generation, I believe in this, this time, the spirit of fear is running rampant on our culture. Last Number five, Satan plans to destroy you. So, five things. 
that Satan and his army of demons want to do in your life. They want to blind minds. They want to steal God's truth. They want to set traps. They want to try to block God's work. And finally, Satan plans to destroy you. He plans to destroy you and take you out. Do not forget that. Satan and his demons, they hate you. They hate every fiber of you. They want to take you out. 1 Peter 5 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking. Where the Lord is looking for worship, those who worship him in spirit and truth, the enemy is there looking and lurking in the corners, waiting for someone to devour, waiting to pounce on someone, waiting to pick you off. When is he weak? When is he weak? When is he? Oh, he fell into that temptation. Let's get him. Let's go. Let's go. He's waiting to, to pick you off. He wants to destroy everything that belongs to the, and matters to the heart of God. And you are created in the image of God. You are loved by God. You are precious to God. So what does that mean? That means he wants to destroy you. Don't take it personal. It's not about you. It's about God. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to devour your witness. To give the church a bad reputation. To make you feel disqualified for sharing your faith. He wants to devour your kids. He would love to get your kids hooked on drugs and porn and all kinds of destructive sins. He wants to devour your finances. He wants to destroy your health. He he loves sickness and disease and pain. Ultimately, he wants to destroy your relationship with God. He hates you. Satan hates you. He wants to destroy you. And he's watching and waiting to attack you. What you see with your natural eyes is not all that there is. There is a spirit world where there is a war going on between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. There's a spiritual battle going on right now. I believe it with all my heart. There's a spiritual battle going on right now for your life, for your loved one's lives. Jesus took the reality of Satan and his demonic forces seriously, and so should we. And I want to get it straight. This doesn't mean that we blame every headache or every car accident on the devil. We don't. Some of it's our own stupidness. But it does mean we should understand the strategies and the attacks of the enemy. He's like a roaring lion, and he's subtle as a serpent. One of Satan's greatest lie to this world is to get people to think that he doesn't exist. That there's not a spiritual realm. That what you see on the surface in the physical is all that there is. But there's more than meets the eye. Don't ever believe that it's just the physical realm. There is a spiritual realm that is just as real that is more powerful, that is influencing everything that happens here on earth in the physical realm. So now that we know that, I don't want to leave us there though, because I got some good news for us as believers. How do we engage in this spiritual war? Because I don't know about you, but I'm not just going to sit back And allow the enemy, allow Satan and his dirty demons have his way in my life. I'm not going to allow that. Are you going to allow that? So as believers, we know how do we engage and fight? 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight are with are not the weapons of the world. So when we engage in spiritual battle, we don't fight with bombs. We don't fight with missiles. We don't fight with guns. We don't fight with tanks. How do we do battle? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Hear that, church? We have divine power. Oh, some of you are sleeping. Listen, 
Ephesians 1, I hope. This is my prayer. This was Paul's prayer to the Ephesians church. This is my prayer to you today. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. Another translation says, incomparable great power towards us who believe. Towards who? Us. It's immeasurable great power towards us according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things, all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Are you getting that? I love that. He seated him far above. Listen, I know there's principalities and powers at work against you that you're fighting a, a, a fight right now. But can I tell you this morning, there is one and his name is Jesus and he is far above every power, far above every principality, far above every ruler or authority that in the dark realm. He is far above it all. Yes, they have a hierarchy. Yes, they have a structure. Yes, they are organized. But Jesus is above them all. There isn't a close second. There isn't a power that can contend. There are, listen, there are not, the world would love to, you to think that there are two equal powers fighting against each other. There are not two equal powers fighting each other. Jesus is far above every demon, every principality, and every power. Can you turn to someone and say far above? Satan and all the powers and principalities and rulers of darkness are not in control. Governments and agencies are not in control. Organizations and empires are not in control. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the supreme authority over all things, and He alone is in control. He is King of Kings, and He is Lord of Lords. And I don't know if you caught it, but it says, not just in this age, but in the age to come. So it wasn't just when Paul was writing this, this was from every generation, from Paul to now to forevermore. Listen, his power does not diminish. His power does not fade. God does not grow weary. He is all powerful. Nothing can compare, nothing can contend. So if we could just, as believers, stop being so scared. Stop walking around in fear. Stop being afraid to step out in obedience. Don't you know you got the one who is above every principality, every power that is inside of you? I've had Christians come to me and I've heard Christians say, well, this demon has possessed me. Or this demon's tormenting me. Like, What? What? Are you not a believer in Jesus Christ? You know, the, the one who died on the cross, who laid in a tomb for three days, who God raised from the dead, who ascended to heaven and is now seated on the right hand of the Father. So what do you mean? You... You aren't possessed by a demon. You have the, the spirit of the living God in you. Come on, believers. You have the spirit of the living God in you. I don't know about you. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't serve a God that couldn't protect me from some demon or some hex or some voodoo. Or... Our God is all-powerful. So why are we worried about a pesky demon that they can't possess you? Amen. 
we need to understand the divine power you have access to. You need to walk in that authority and in that power when you step into your home, when you step into that school, when you step into that workplace, demons should tremble. Demons should tremble. Why? Because they recognize there is a representative of Jesus. You should be a carrier of the presence and the power of God. They should be afraid of you. We understand the attacks of the enemy, but once we understand them, we bind them. We take our authority in Jesus' name. You serve a God who is far above them, who exceeds their power, who trumps their authority, who is greater than their ranking. They should tremble when you enter the room. Colossians 2, just in case you don't believe me, Colossians 2, verses 13 to 15. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over him. They have nothing against you. They have no accusation against you. They have no authority over you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, they have no weapon that can prevail against you. Jesus has completely disarmed them. Jesus has put them to shame. Jesus has won the battle. Jesus has victory. He has complete power and authority over all things. So, as believers, listen to this, we do not, do not fight for victory, we fight from victory. Jesus has already won the battle. We have been given authority over all the plans of the enemy. The devil is only beating you up because you're allowing him to beat you up. You need to know the power that is available to you. And you need to posture yourself and posture your prayers from a place of authority, a place of victory. We need to declare the word of God over our battle, over our situation. In Ephesians 3.10 it says, Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to who? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So instead of being scared and, and and walk around frightened by the principalities and powers of darkness, we are to proclaim and declare the word of God, the wisdom of God. Whatever is tormenting you in your life, whatever principality is coming against you, whatever is creating drama in your life, your role, instead of going and whimpering and crying or going to a psychic or reading tarot cards, your assignment is to declare in the heavenlies who you are and whose you are. Declare the word of God. Declare the promises of God. We know when Jesus was tempted, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. At his most weakest point, Satan shows up. Of course, he waits to the last, very last day. And Satan shows up, tempts him three times, turn this bread into, this stone into bread, worship me and I'll give you all authority, jump off this cliff and, you know, the angels will protect you. Well, how did Jesus respond? The word of God, scripture, he declared, man does not live on bread alone. Scripture says, that we were to worship the one and only God. Do not put God to the test. He quotes scripture. He declares scripture. Through the church, back to Ephesians, through the church, you are the church, right? Are you the church? So through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 
So we are to make them known that we are representatives of King Jesus and they have no authority over our lives. He has purchased us by his blood and we belong to him. So since we belong to him, they have no authority in our lives. And it goes on to say, verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord and whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So we are not just to make him known who we are, but we are to do it with boldness. We're to do it with confidence. We have boldness and confidence. See, what the enemy will do, he'll come and and he'll whisper in your ear, you're not good enough. He'll bring up all your shortcomings. He'll bring up all your failures. Because he doesn't want you to walk in that authority. He doesn't want you to have access to that power. But I want to tell you, we're not going on the basis of our merit. I want you to remember this, believer. You're not going on the basis of your righteousness. You're going on the basis of Jesus Christ's righteousness. You're going on the basis of his authority, of his power. If we go on our own power, if we go on our own authority, we're in trouble. And in Acts, there's a story there. I can't, don't have time to get into it. But if you go into your authority and your own power, you're in trouble. The, the demons will beat up on you. No, we're not strong enough. We're not good enough. We're not, we don't have enough power. But thank God it's not based on me. It's not based on my righteousness. It's based on his righteousness And so Ephesians says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not your mighty power, it's his mighty power. We have access to God's power to fight these battles. It's his power. Our boldness and our confidence isn't out of arrogance, it's not out of pride. Our boldness is confidence, isn't out of our own ability and out of our strength. Our boldness is, and confidence is in the mighty power of Jesus Christ. It's in him. So we don't fight with our power, but with God's authority. God's authority. The veil has been torn. We have access to the power and authority of God. It's, we don't fight with our power, but with God's authority. And there's a big difference between our power and our authority. We fight in the authority of God through the name of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 10, Jesus called the 12 disciples to him. He called to him his 12 disciples and gave them, listen, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every disease and every affliction. See, we have authority to cast out demons. We have authority over diseases. We have authority over afflictions. Jesus, though, he didn't give them his power. It's coming next week. I'll get to that. He gave them his authority. He gave them authority to use the power of the name of Jesus. And there's a big difference. For example, if I went over to Markham and Ellesmere, and I went and I stood in the middle of the, the road, and I started trying to stop traffic, everybody would be honking at me. He's like, what's this guy doing? This guy's crazy. He's on some drugs. What? He's going to get hit. This is one of the most dangerous intersections in the city. Why is he in the middle of the road? They wouldn't stop. They wouldn't listen to me. Why? Because I have no authority to stop them. But if I put on a uniform, if I had a badge, if I had those nice gloves they wear, and I went, right away they'd recognize that I'm a person of authority and that the government of Canada is backing me. And if I stopped, they would stop. Or else I'd write them a ticket. (laughs) See, we need to understand that we 
are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, which means we have a uniform on, that we have the authority of the kingdom of God, and we can walk in that authority, and if a demon is coming, we can stop that demon, and they have to stop because the kingdom of heaven is backing us. The power of Jesus is backing us. For greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in the world. It is his authority, and by his power, we have victory against the forces of darkness. So listen, when we are coming against principalities, when we are coming against powers of darkness, it is our assignment to take authority over them by speaking and declaring the word of God into the heavenlies with boldness and confidence, we lean on his power. In Acts 3, we we see this. Peter and John, they're going into the temple And what do they see? They see a lame man laying there from birth, begging. You have some silver, you have some gold. Give me some silver, give me some gold. Peter walks up. Silver and gold I have not. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And what happened? That man had to listen. That body had to listen to the authority of that name, Jesus Christ. See, Peter knew, and he activated his faith. He knew the authority that he had. He knew the victory that was won on the cross. He knew that he had authority over diseases. He had authority over demons. He had authority over sicknesses. He knew that. And so what did he do? He activated his faith, and he stepped out, and he operated. He accessed that power of the name of Jesus. We have been appointed Christ representatives on this earth. And we have access to operate in his power and authority. Are you getting this this morning? In the name of Jesus, you have been given full authority to act on his behalf and access his power. To do what? To proclaim freedom. To proclaim healing over the sickness. To set the oppressed free. To cast out demons. To proclaim the favor of the Lord. That is what we're to do. That's the authority and the power we have to push back the kingdom of darkness. Thanks for listening to the GKM Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and resources to help you grow in your faith, head to gkm.church grow.